The sun was setting over the dense woods of the national park, casting long shadows that stretched out like ghostly fingers. I, a park ranger, had been on my usual patrol when I heard it a strange and eerie sound emanating from a nearby deserted cabin. It wasn't the first time I'd come across strange occurrences in these woods, but this was different. I was supposed to be the only one here at this time, and the cabin, as far as I knew, should have been vacant. With my flashlight in hand and a sense of unease settling over me, I made my way through the forest toward the source of the sound. The voices grew louder as I approached the cabin, but I couldn't discern any words. My heart raced as I pushed open the creaking door and stepped inside. The cabin was empty and the voices had ceased. The interior, however, was like a glimpse into the past, a collection of odd, old artifacts from the National Park's history. Vintage maps, faded photographs, and dusty ranger uniforms adorned the walls and tables. It was as if I had stepped into a time capsule of the park's past. As I examined the peculiar collection, a rustling sound from outside pulled me away from my thoughts. I stepped back out onto the cabin's wooden porch and gazed into the darkening woods. That's when I saw it an unknown predator lurking in the shadows. My heart pounded in my chest as I strained to make out its features. Its pale, human-like hand was adorned with large claws that glinted in the faint moonlight, and its skin appeared to be covered in a clear, glass-like substance. The creature's face was massive and terrifying, with milky white skin and eyes, veins of the deepest blue visible beneath them. Its long, sinuous tongue darted out, the only part of it that seemed to move aside from the trees swaying in the wind. Its antlers, black as night, resembled twisted mold-covered branches, and its humanoid form stood an imposing seven to eight feet tall. My blood ran cold as the creature muttered something in a Native American tongue, its voice a chilling whisper in the night. Without warning, it lunged at me, and a battle ensued. I fought desperately, trying to fend off this foe. Its claws were razor-sharp, and its strength was overwhelming. I could feel myself losing ground, panic setting in as I realized that I might not make it out of this encounter alive. Thinking quickly, I reached for the knife strapped to my belt and managed to thrust it into one of the creature's milky white eyes. It let out an otherworldly shriek of pain and recoiled, blindly thrashing about. Seizing the opportunity, I turned and ran from the cabin, the echoing cries of the creature fading behind me. Breathing heavily and covered in sweat, I stumbled back onto the trail. With trembling hands, I fumbled for my radio and called for help. The police arrived soon after, but when they searched the area, they found nothing, no signs of the strange cabin or the creature that had attacked me. They looked at me with a mixture of disbelief and concern, no doubt thinking I'd encountered some wild animal or experienced a hallucination brought on by exhaustion. I couldn't blame them for doubting my story it was utterly unbelievable. Well, there was an incident which taught me to regularly make what is called a J-turn to watch Borchek by back trail. I was scouting a distant group of hills along an inaccessible river, no docks for miles. There were past rumors of mountain lions being back in there, 
though all the eastern breeds are supposedly not existence anymore. There had been a light snow before dawn, but it didn't hinder me from walking way back and cresting the highest hilltop where I could see the big bend of the river. For whatever reason, I decide to circle the tippy top of this hill before going back down, where I could then pick up my old trail where I walked inwards. When I completed my circling, I came back down but immediately but stopped dead. There were a second set of prints right next to my steps, big paw prints. As I sat watching that river, there was a F-King big cat sitting somewhere watching me. Now, heading back down, I had lost the high ground and the pursuit position was now in his favor. I made J turns every 300 yards on the way back. I make J turns on the way in and out of every area I hunt if it is in a remote location. And yes, I seen dogs, deer, and even men following my paths before. My father, when he was in his late teens, used to hunt deer in New Zealand. This would have been the late 60s, early 70s. He was out with some friends hunting in thick bush at night, using a spotlight connected to a battery that they would carry in a backpack. My father saw the shine of deer eyes in the dark, a very easy shot, a direct and clean shot. On approaching the kill, a few things stood out to him as slightly unusual. Firstly was the horse he had killed. Secondly were the two terrified Maori guys who leapt from their tent next to the dead horse, understandably scared for their lives. I think he had to pay them enough to buy a couple of horses to clear the matter up. Also, he only ever hunted during daylight after that. I grew up in the Arctic. In the town I lived in, as long as it was a clear night, it was an extremely normal occurrence to see all sorts of strange lights move across the sky. Keep in mind, the winter is long in the Arctic, which means longer amounts of time being spent under the stars. It's quite beautiful, as long as you don't mind the cold so much. Sometimes I would drive a snowmobile a few kilometers out of town, shut it down, and just lay down on the snow looking up at the majesty of it all, the only thing disturbing the silence being the occasional breeze. The northern lights are also a common occurrence. Doesn't happen every day, but often enough that they start getting ignored after a while, as long as they aren't too spectacular anyway. On one particular night, without asking my parents, it was their snowmobile, I decided to go on one of my midnight drives out of town, I drove a few kilometers over the hills to find a spot devoid of light pollution from town, shut off the machine, and settled in to a good spot to look up and be introspective. It wasn't all that interesting a scene. A few satellites passing here and there, some relatively boring activity affecting the magnetic field, etc. And then I started noticing a clicking noise. At first I thought it was the sound of the snow machine cooling down as engine expands and contracts a lot in the cold, but the source of the sound definitely wasn't coming from that direction. My next thought was there must be an animal nearby in which case I need to get out of there fast, you don't really want to mess with a wild animal. But the clicking is far too regular for an animal to produce it. It was fairly mechanical sounding, and again, the source of the sound isn't coming from anywhere around me laterally. It was coming from up. 
So naturally, I look up determined to ascertain the origin of this strange noise. I see what I always see. Stars, northern lights, a lazy satellite crossing the sky. All normal stuff. But before I dismiss it altogether and begin heading home, I notice something strange in the aurora borealis. There were three rather strong points of light. I ignored them at first thinking they were oddly symmetrical stars, but this proved false. They were definitely getting brighter. I kept staring in morbid fascination as they grew stronger and stronger, yet still only remaining single points in the sky. All the while the clicking noise is getting louder and louder and more pronounced, almost like someone started with tapping a pen on a desk to clacking billard balls together inside my head. Then it stops. The lights are gone, the clicking is not heard, and aside from being a little stiff, cold, and rather petrified, I'm fine. So I jump back on the snowmobile thinking maybe I'm going crazy. The machine takes a little longer than usual to start up, and I'm beginning to worry, but soon it's running, and I'm heading back to town. As I'm driving back, several plausible scenarios as to what occurred are running through my head. I'm thinking it could have been a helicopter from the mine, or some strange northern lights behavior etc. Probably not that big a deal. I pull up to my house. Lights are all dark. Strange. It wasn't that late when I left. Open outer door as quietly as possible, remove winter gear, enter inner door. House is quiet. Really quiet. My parents are teachers and are usually up late marking or watching TV. All I'm thinking is I have to get to bed without anyone noticing. Proves to be easy as I'm soon under my covers. I go to set my alarm for the next day. All of the sudden everything makes sense. Engine hard to start, stiff, rather chilly. Nobody up when I was gone what felt like relatively short period of time. It was almost 11 p.m. when I left, and now it was creeping up on 6 m. I stood staring at clicking lights for almost seven hours. I never ended up sleeping that night, and I don't go on late-night snow machine rides anymore. Our team of Navy SEALs was on a covert operation near Japan, searching for vital intelligence concerning China's possible invasion of Taiwan. I led the team, with Joe as my second-in-command, a seasoned warrior with a wealth of experience. Little did we know that this seemingly routine operation would lead us to the edge of our sanity. Joe, ever curious and adventurous, discovered a hidden underwater cave system during one of our reconnaissance missions. Intrigued by the mystery that lay within, he decided to gather a small group of five men, including myself, to investigate further. We donned our diving gear and descended into the depths unaware of the horrors that awaited us. As we explored the labyrinthine cave system, our excitement turned to unease. The oppressive silence weighed heavily upon us, and an inexplicable sense of foreboding crept into our hearts. It was then that we unknowingly disturbed a nest of aquatic cryptids that had been lurking in the shadows, their existence unknown to the world above. The first sign of danger came with a sudden surge of movement in the water accompanied by an eerie silence that seemed to suffocate the very air we breathed. Our senses heightened, we realized we were being hunted. Vicious creatures, 
born of nightmares and hidden from human eyes, closed in on us with savage intent. A battle for survival ensued as we fought tooth and nail against the relentless onslaught of these aquatic horrors. Our training and instincts kicked in, but the cryptids were unlike anything we had ever encountered. Their strength, speed, and ferocity were otherworldly, pushing us to the brink of our physical and mental limits. One by one, my comrades fell to the cryptids' relentless assault, leaving only Joe and me to face the horrors that dwelled within the abyss. We fought with everything we had, employing every ounce of skill and determination to escape their clutches. But it was Joe, with his unwavering resolve and indomitable spirit, who found a way to lead us out of the abyss and back to the surface. After barely surviving the ordeal, Joe made a fateful decision. He chose to keep the existence of the cryptids a secret forever buried within the depths of the Pacific. He understood the consequences of revealing such a horrifying truth to the world, knowing that panic and chaos would ensue. And so, we returned to our lives, carrying the weight of the horrors we had witnessed deep within our souls. We never spoke of the cryptids again, silently accepting the burden of our experiences and the sacrifices made by our fallen comrades. It was a testament to our unwavering loyalty and dedication to protecting our nation, even when the threats we faced lurked in the shadows, forever hidden from the world's gaze. Story from my dad. Back in 1989, my dad was hunting out in New Kent County, Virginia. He feels uneasy throughout the morning, and then he gets really spooked to the point where he decides to leave. Nothing weird is happening, and he's a lifelong hunter who wouldn't normally leave the woods for a bad feeling. Can vouch, he's very practical. As he's driving home, he sees a bunch of cop cars at the rest stop near his hunt club. Later that evening, he finds out that the cops had found the bodies of victims of the Colonial Parkway killer near the rest stop in a spot fairly close to his tree stand. Anna Maria Phelps and Daniel Lauer. As a true crime buff, when my dad told me this story last year, I lost my dang mind. During about five hours of babysitting, I drank a six-pack of 5% of BV seltzers. I am not a day one drinker, it was just a regular night, and I did not make any mistakes due to said seltzers, nor was I drunk. Now, if you are under the understanding that the common person doesn't typically hallucinate or mess up too bad with around one strawberry lemonade seltzer every 45 minutes, then I can carry on, and you can read, but if you can do nothing but automatically prejudge my story over said disclaimer, don't bother. And yes, this will be relevant to the end of the story. Moving along, so in a very woodsy state in the US I used to live in, I knew a hippie couple that would pay me and my now ex to babysit sometimes. It was about 20 minutes into the woods, there were houses on the way, but all pretty far apart. These friends lived up a hill that was about a one minute drive and had two neighbors, but not anywhere close enough to hear them. On this night, I went up there by myself. They paid good money to babysit, had awesome well-behaved kids, and their property was gorgeous, so it was always a treat go up there. I didn't know how to lock their front door, but I always felt safe because I was like, 
Who would come all the way up here? Guess I might have been wrong. So the evening went normally until the end. The kids played outside a bit, and I watched them. They went on to watch TV, and I put a tuna casserole in the oven their mom had prepped. I went to do some dishes while they chilled because I said I would clean the house the day before also a paying gig, and I didn't come through for that so I wanted to surprise the parents. Pretty soon after, the kids needed to get ready for bed. One could brush her teeth, and the other still needed his brushed, so I did that, and I think they just put on pajamas, and I went to grab a quick drink from the kitchen. Here's where it gets weird. Again, no neighbors close. Between the bathroom and the kitchen there was a back door. I heard a woman talking very close to the window as if she was talking to someone else. The TV was off, and I don't put on headphones or a speaker around other people, so it was none of those things. I assumed I didn't hear their parents pull up, and they were talking outside so I opened the back door and called out their names, but it was pitch black and silent. I immediately felt alarmed. I put the kids to bed and said I will be right back, and if they are still awake, I will read them a story. I went outside and sounded a drill I happened to see by the door and said if anyone has a bone to pick, I'm right here and come get it. Mind you, even a good cop was at least 20 minutes out, and I had two other lives to protect. Call me bonkers, but again I heard people in the woods, and I have no history of mental illness or drug abuse, so yeah, I heard what I heard. With how shaken up I was, I knew something had to be wrong. Parents returned shortly after. Mom seemed calm, Dad said he thinks I drank too much, and he believes I thought I heard something. He said his kids did not hear me outside when I came out warning whoever was out there. I closed the door so they wouldn't hear me, and the kids said the night went well. Despite this, he thinks I scared them and drank too much and never had me babysit again. I think I did the right thing. One of my aunts recently passed away at 92 years of age. My cousin has been her caregiver for the past four years. He promised her he'd never put her in a nursing home. He doted on her and kept her clean and comfortable until she passed away at home. The evening she died, he was monitoring her vitals and listening to her heart with a stethoscope and heard her take her final breath. As he stood up from her bedside, he caught a glimpse of movement at the nearby bathroom door. He saw his mom in a flowing white dress, looking much younger and almost transparent. She looked at him and said, thank you, and faded away. We will be attending her celebration of life this weekend. I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. I spent a lot of time outside, and I loved all animals including bugs, frogs, and lizards, etc., my little brother played a lot of sports so on weekends, I was always dragged to his games, and after school I often had to attend his practices. It was soccer season, and I had to go with my mom to one of my brother's soccer practices after school on this day. I was probably female 8 or 9 at the time. It was at a local park surrounded by some wilderness and some hiking trails I liked this park because off to the side of the soccer fields was a creek with frogs and stuff. 
I'd love to go over there and look at them and try to catch them, etc. It was evening time and the sun was setting, but there was still plenty of light left. I told my mom I was gonna go down to the creek to catch frogs. It was down the hill slightly from the fields and obscured by some bushes and shrubs. But there was a clear dirt trail that ran alongside the creek. So I scurried on down there and was carefully studying the creek looking for frogs. When suddenly a man's voice startles me, whatcha looking for? I look up and see a middle-aged man, dressed in typical office, business wear button-up shirt, slacks, dress shoes. He was standing on the trail, blocking my route back up to the soccer fields, looking at me and smiling. I was a shy and cautious child, so I just looked at the man and didn't reply at first. My spidey senses were already tingling, and I remember feeling nervous and uneasy. I sometimes saw hikers on the trail by the creek, but his outfit and appearance told me this wasn't a hiker. He then asked me, are you looking for butterflies? I saw some down there. As he points further down the trail away from the soccer fields, I just said no and started looking around at what my options were. I felt the need to get out of there fast. But as I mentioned, he was standing on the trail, which was my route back to the fields. There were thick bushes on the hillside between the trail and where the fields were. I started making my way up the rocks to the side of the creek towards the trail further down from where he stood, and to my alarm, he started moving down the trail toward me. Need some help, he said. I was now starting to panic, although nothing had happened, and he seemed friendly, it just felt wrong to me. I just got stranger danger vibes. I remember feeling a burst of adrenaline and fear. I shouted no and booked it up the rocks, across the trail and crashed my way through the bushes towards the soccer fields. I remember the branches scratching me, but I didn't care I literally scrambled my way through them till I came up to the fields and then sprinted over to where my, my mom was watching my brother's practice. I probably looked like hell so she of course asked what the heck happened and I told her. I felt like she thought I was just being paranoid though. I'll never know if this guy posed a real threat or not. He could have been just getting some fresh air on his way home from work who knows. I just know it felt creepy at the time. I am in Moorhead, Kentucky and have been experiencing unexplainable things while I've been hiking around Eagle Lake or near Cave Run. I'm not a superstitious person and am very rational when it comes to the animals in our region. It will sound as if something is approaching, coming much closer than any animal should, and when noticed I react, stomp my feet, etc., it stops. An unrelenting dread and overwhelming anxiety falls over me. I cannot shake it, and I know I have to leave at that point. Each time, as I've started to leave, whatever it is has charged quickly coming much closer and essentially chasing me from where I've been. I refused to return to Eagle Lake after I experienced it the first time and chose to go to a pretty popular area near Cave Run. The same exact thing has happened more than once. I have not been able to shake the feeling. I have definitely been the only one in the area on both occasions, and there have been no animals near definitely, not ones large enough to make the sounds I've heard. My girlfriend has been with me on each occasion and has heard and felt the same as me. 
If anyone has seen, felt, heard anything, please let me know. Edited to add, I'm not trying to claim EKY has a new cryptid, or that a ghost is following us, or anything. I wish I could believe it has somehow been the exact same creature exhibiting the same behavior four plus times in different areas, but it has become hard to do so. My girlfriend and I both agree that it so clearly felt like something has wanted us gone. We've gone out so many times and have never experienced anything like this before or held any anxiety about going out. I carry, I'm not afraid of wild animals in our area. I realized I sound crazy, but I really am just wanting some shared experiences. Thank you all.